2: I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tallboy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tallboys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tallboy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice-cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best-tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the sparkling lime liquid death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9 a.m. Seriously, guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it, and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or hy or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday.
3: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year, this is the Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by both my co-hosts, Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. We are back with another Friday edition of the podcast. How are you guys this week? Yeah, this was kind of a rough week, right?
4: Lots of upset Packers fans everywhere, in person, on Twitter. We had to go through the theoretical firing and blaming of seemingly everybody on the Packers staff and half the roster. But now it's just a chance to take a deep breath and focus on the Jets, and things will be all right moving forward. How are you doing, Maggie?
5: Yeah, I love throwback week. This is like one of my favorite matchups just from a Jersey standpoint every year. Um, I went to the Packers... Cowboys game in 2016 when they got just stomped by the Cowboys, but they were in their throwbacks, so it made it hurt less, and I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen this week or anything, but I do like to get to Lambeau Field for those throwback games when I'm able to, so that'll be fun for everybody in the stands to get to see the 50s throwbacks.
4: Was was that the brown helmets?
5: No, these were the yellow ones.
3: Ah, okay. That's yellows. much better. I saw too many <laughs> games in those brown helmets. Those were kind of bad. Um, but you know what they say? If you look good, you play good, right? And so we know the Packers could certainly use a boost to help them play a little bit better after last week's performance. But we're back at Lambeau for this week's sixth game with the New York Jets now. And we're really excited to help you guys get ready for this one with another round of key matchups and X-Factors. We're going to dive into the Jets, their roster, and talk about which matchups are going to be tipping points in the football game. And then, of course, we won't get out of here without giving you our X-Factor predictions for the week. Uh, But let's go ahead and get Started. Maggie, you go ahead and go first. What is the first matchup that you're going to be watching this weekend?
5: Yeah. So for me, this one is a battle of the secondaries. The Jets secondary is a complete ball hawking unit. They've already snagged seven interceptions through five games and only three teams right now in the NFL have more with eight. So technically, I guess you could say the Jets are tied for second with seven. Um, but what's ma- what makes that seven number so interesting is that those interceptions have come from six different players. So it's not really just one DB that's the problem. It's their entire secondary. Um, And that said, rookie Sauce Gardner has lived up to his expectations so far in New York. He leads the team with six passes defense this season. And the whole unit has 23 pass breakups through five weeks, which just feels fantastic when you look at, you know, putting that into context. The Packers, who have seven total PBUs Uh in that same time frame and only one interception, which, of course, was Jair against the Bears. Uh, Bill Huber wrote a really good article about that, actually, uh, earlier this week, and he pointed out that of those, you know, those seven passes defensed for the Packers secondary are seven fewer than any other team in the league. So the Packers are 32nd in pass breakups and the second fewest team still has double digits. They still have 14 PBUs. So, you know, hoping that the Packers can have a bounce back kind of game against Zach Wilson. He threw two picks in two games so far this season, both of those against the Steelers, but You know, you'd think maybe the secondary could have bounced back a little sooner playing against Bailey Zappi and Daniel Jones. But there is no time like the present to get these interceptions going. And Jerry Gray talked about it. Joe Barry talked about it. So I think we're going to see a more aggressive secondary on Sunday, hopefully from the Packers.
3: That's super interesting, Maggie. And you're right. We haven't seen a lot of those. Interceptions from the Packers Aaron Rodgers has uncharacteristically um, Been giving away a few more than Is normal for him And that's been a big talking you know, bite On ESPN and those kinds of things That he's already hitting what would be Maybe a season total for him in interceptions So I want to see this team get back On the right side of that turnover Ratio for sure Um, My first matchup here to watch is the Packers running backs versus the New York linebackers. And I talked about this last week. This was one thing I mentioned for the Giants. I really thought the Packers would have a chance to exploit the Giants linebackers. But maybe I was just a week early. Maybe it was the wrong New York team. I don't know. Uh, But I seriously think that this is going to be a matchup to watch this week. C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams are both a little bit beat up. Uh, They logged a limited practice on Wednesday. Mosley was a full participant on Thursday, while Quincy was still limited today. But uh, they've played a ton of snaps for this team, and they've been pretty poor in coverage overall. PFF has graded 78 linebackers, and both Mosley and Williams grade within the worst 15 that they've graded in coverage. Now, Quan Alexander, he's been the best of this Jets group at linebacker, but he's still very, very average in coverage. So the Packers are going to have opportunities to beat them in the past. Game and it's become kind of painfully obvious that Green Bay needs to get the ball to the running backs more. Um, maybe that's creatively in the passing game. So I think the opportunities are going to be there through the air on Sunday. And I think LaFleur finally takes advantage and gets Jones and Dillon those touches maybe as pass catches to get them the ball.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And so Maggie talked about the Jets secondary. Kyle talked about the Jets linebackers. I'm going to talk about the Jets defense as a whole. And my key matchup is Matt LaFleur versus Robert Sala. Um, and it is interesting because the Jets, uh, sort of on the surface, some, some of those um, you know, more general statistics would show a, a little bit higher level. But it, it, if you dive into it, the Jets defense is sort of the definition of average. And what I mean by that. They're 17th in completion percentage, 16th in yards per attempt against, 16th in touchdowns given up, and 18th in sacks. Now, you, you can't completely like put that on Robert Sala, who we, we think is a really, really strong defensive coach in this league as this is still a team very much in the midst of a rebuild. And you talk about players like CJ Mosley that are still hanging around from the previous regime um, and a contract that they ended up giving out. Um, Now the positive side of that, Maggie mentioned this before they are tied for fourth in the league with seven interceptions, just one off the league lead. And the secondary has been pretty phenomenal, but this is a defense that has weaknesses, Um, This is a game where Matt LaFleur has to out execute his best friend and Aaron Rodgers needs to carry out that game plan because the Jets are going to see everything the Giants did in the second half to frustrate the Packers. They're going to load the box and they're going to know that the Packers are going to want to throw in that situation. They're going to know the hot route. So LaFleur has to dial up some tendency breakers or this is going to be another very frustrating offensive performance.
5: Yeah, so kind of, you know, expanding on that. My second matchup here is the Packers' O-line versus the Jets' pass rush. And the Jets have 32 quarterback hits in their last 3 games and 41 total on the season. So, if that's not eye-popping, then you think of the fact that 16 of those quarterback hits came last week against the Dolphins. So, just thinking of 16 quarterback hits in one game, you know, I know the Dolphins had their third string QB in there with Bridgewater leaving early, but that's just that's a lot of pressure on that that uh, that O-line and, you know, leading the charge is Carl Lawson who has 14 quarterback hits already this year. Um, he's been an excellent, excellent free agent addition for them. We talked about him and we did our jets preview earlier in the summer, but you know, Rogers has been sacked 11 times through five games. Um, he hasn't had a sack free game yet. He's been knocked down at least once uh, most of the time, at least two. So Lawson's not going to be the only challenge for this Packers O-line. You know, they've still got uh uh, Quentin Williams, who, which is really confusing when you think about the fact that they also have Quincy Williams. <laughs> and then they have uh Jermaine Johnson, who is another, one of their three first round picks. Who's had a really good start to the season. Um, both of them are a little bit banged up on the injury report, but, uh, See, I made a typo. I made a typo in my notes that says Quincy instead of Quentin. <laughs> um, but whether or not this Packers O-line can keep Rodgers, you know, his 50s jersey pristine on Sunday, I think is going to go a long way in determining who leaves Lambeau Field with a W. Because if they can rattle Rodgers, I feel like the entire game's going to go off the rails.
3: I'm really glad that you brought this up, Maggie. I was actually looking at this, and this was going to be maybe one of my key matchups before I saw that you, you snagged it ahead of me. Um, really interesting that the Jets have five pass rushers, I believe, maybe all defensive ends who have really good grades from PFF right now. We know the Packers have impact players at defensive end, but they're not very deep. And so we know this Jets team has those guys, but they also have guys behind them. So they're going to stay fresh all game long and keep bringing that pressure. So that's going to be a really good matchup to keep your eye on throughout the game. But um, I'm going to talk about a pass rusher here as well on the Packers here. And that's Rashawn Gary versus Elijah Vera Tucker. The Jets' offensive line has been a bit of a mess to start the season. They've dealt with multiple injuries, and so uh, they've been kind of shuffling their remaining players around to try to get their best five guys out on the field. That means that Elijah Vera Tucker has played nearly equal snaps at right guard, left tackle, and right tackle. He played right tackle last week and looks set to play there again this week. That means he's going to see Rashawn Gary a good bit, assuming that Rashawn Gary is good to go. Of course, we got the scare on the injury report today that he was limited with a toe. Hopefully, again, we're just going to assume that that's not a big deal because we may not be emotionally prepared to handle the alternative. Uh, Vera Tucker looks up to the task to being someone that goes against Rashawn Gary. He's played great. He's earning really good marks from PFF in both run and pass blocking. But it is worth mentioning that last week was the first time that Elijah had ever played right tackle in his entire Football career, college, NFL, whatever, it doesn't matter. This was his first exposure at right tackle and he held up really well. But this week he gets Gary. And so it will be interesting to see if Vera Tucker can hold up or if that inexperience and just a little bit of a different technique that it takes to play that right side helps Gary get home to get the quarterback just a couple times in this game. Yeah. And it will be interesting, especially given that Rashawn Gary
4: has struggled a little bit in the run game. Um, to see how Vera Tucker can handle them there. And then if the Packers can actually get the Jets in some third and long situations, mm-hmm. um, we know Gary has been one of the better pass rushers in the league. Um, so there, there could be some momentum swings even in that matchup. Um, so that'll be a really interesting one to watch. And my second key matchup is Garrett Wilson versus Jair Alexander. I think this is going to be one of those juicy banners, see what the rookie really has in store kind of matchups. But you know, I, I think it's fair to doubt that these two are going to be lined up mano-a-mano super often in this game. Uh, but just just looking at Garrett Wilson's start to his rookie campaign, I think he has um, started off really strongly. It, you, you did see a slight downtick last week. I think that was, you know, sort of his weakest performance since week one. But week four saw that he could transition from Joe Flacco to Zach Wilson pretty easily. Um, Garrett has taken 129 of his snaps from the slot compared to 81 out wide. So we do expect him to line up as a slot receiver more often than not. So perhaps it is wishful thinking that we'll get Jair in the slot more. Perhaps it's wishful thinking that we're going to get man coverage like we're calling for more. But Joe Barry did allude to playing more man and playing Jair in the slot in his press conference on Thursday. So there should be a few opportunities for these two to get matched up since The Packers and Jets only play once every four years, right? Unless they get the weird week 17 matchup. This is just our game. I should say the the 17th game matchup this is just a fun one-on-one I want to see versus one that I think the whole game hinges on. Like, in fairness, Wilson is a guy who is much more talented than the ones who have been giving the Packers fits recently, so that is definitely something to watch for. But any chance I get to see, like, one of the better young wide receivers, um, certainly the best one in this rookie class, if, if, you know, getting picked first has anything to do with it, uh, versus Jair Alexander, like, sign me up to watch some of
2: that. I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's Liquid Death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called Liquid Death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum tallboy cans is also helpful, as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors... Personally, I love the lime and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com/packaday. That's liquiddeath.com/packaday.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
5: Yeah, that's, that's going to be great. And like you said, hopefully we get a little bit more Jair in the slot. Um, Please.
3: <laughs>
5: really, but... All of those, obviously, key matchups to watch for. But now let's shift gears and talk about who our X factors are going into this Jets game. Andrew, who you got?
4: Yeah, I get to go first. I'm going to go with Romeo Dobbs. And I have tried to get a little too cute with my predictions recently, though I would argue Jerron Reed should have gotten a very important sack last week that, of course, got taken away by a penalty. Um, But the Packers have to get back to what works. The quick passing game works. Getting some crossers over the middle works, and running the ball over and over and over and over and over works. So if they get the ball moving on the ground, that's going to open up some possibilities for the quick screen game and getting Dobbs downfield. I and you know we we are, Maggie already mentioned Sauce Gardner. I. Really, really like Sauce Gardner a lot. He was my fifth overall prospect in this draft, but I am not afraid of him. I'm also not afraid of DJ Reed, who is the cornerback on the other side. And Jordan Whitehead and LaMarcus Joyner, while they are names, are currently ranked the 48th and 72nd best safeties in football, respectively, by Pro Football Focus. So give me a big day from Dobbs. And finally, finally, Rodgers connecting and a big play down the sideline in the passing game. (laughs)
3: That's an exciting one. I think we can all root for that to come to be as painful as it would be that Andrew would just be bragging about his his prediction all next week, but Correct. we'll put up with that. Um, my, my pick here is uh, Devondre Campbell, and Campbell hasn't been quite the force that he was last year, but he still made some big plays. He's been very impactful for this defense, but I think Sunday is a good opportunity for him to really take over a football game, much like we saw him do a couple times or often last season. Uh, we know the Jets have Brees Hall, they have Michael Carter that keep linebackers busy, of course, but the Jets also have Zach Wilson, who's still acclimating from his absence with injury I think Devondre is going to have a busy and active afternoon and I think it's an opportunity for him to remind everyone that he's still one of the best linebackers in the game
5: yeah I had Randall Cobb last week as my x-factor and I had tried to call my shot twice and say that he was going to get his first touchdown of the season and we came so close he had like (laughs) 99 yards and seven receptions and it was a Randall Cobb game so I'm going to take like a like a victory jog, like I'm not going to do a full lap, but I'd, I would <laughs> like to say that I thought Randall Cobb would have a good game. But this week, <laughs> this week, it's probably not going to happen for me. I think the streak ends here, but I'm going to take Eric Stokes. And I referenced the Bill Huber article earlier when I talked about their secondaries. um. So I'm going to double down with Eric Stokes here as my X factor. And in Huber's article, he referenced another stat that really was just surprising to me. He said that's so far. Stokes has allowed 14 of 16 passing with PFF metrics and has yet to break up a single pass this season. In his rookie season, he had a PBU in 12 of his 17 games with 14 total passes defensed in one pick. So I think we expected a lot from Stokes coming out of you know his strong rookie campaign, building on that his sophomore season. And unfortunately, he hasn't really quite lived up to that yet. But Neither has the rest of the secondary. So it's hard to just put, you know, that blame on him. So he's played 100% of snaps so far for this Packers defense. And Jerry Gray said it, you know, Andrew talked about what Joe Barry said about potentially seeing some of these guys play more press man. But Jerry Gray said, quote, right now, guys are settling in. Trust me, we'll write the ship. So I feel like this is the week where the secondary has to start writing the ship, because if you don't, these are some pretty explosive, fast receivers for the Jets And it's going to be a rough day. So thinking Eric Stokes has a big game and let's say he gets at least at least a pass breakup in this game.
3: Lots of optimism here on the Friday edition of the Pack-a-Day podcast, even in the midst of so much turmoil on Twitter, Packers Twitter. Um, but uh, those are our X factors. Let's hope between the three of us, maybe one of those hits. Um, but let's talk, guys, about how the Packers actually get this done and come out with a, with a victory. We've talked about some of these games in the last couple of weeks. Should have been gimmies, and it hasn't been that way. So let's talk about the pack to, path of victory for this Packers team on Sunday. Yeah, I think just having a better complementary game plan is is the Packers path to
4: victory. They they need to run the ball to help the defense and the defense needs to play aggressively instead of on their heels to get the ball back for the offense. And I cannot tell you how much I absolutely hate these talking points because this is sort of that lowest common denominator stuff on Twitter. Like if I heard people saying that during the course of any other season, I would be like, OK, well, you don't really understand what's going on. But it seems like the Packers just aren't on the same page in in their coaching staff. And honestly, like I, I think just getting back on the same page is what is missing. The Packers are definitely not a bad team from a talent standpoint. Their game plan stunk last week. And like, let's let's give this perfect fairness. We we are seeing a third year head coach, a second year defensive coordinator, although I know he has experience in other places. But the second second year in Green Bay, and you you have a brand new offensive coordinator so sometimes coaches have off games sometimes they have learning experiences and i think that's things that are still developing and I have full confidence that they are going to come back this week with something much better as far as game plan goes. And most fans will be able to forget all of the ills of these past six days. Um, the Jets definitely are a scrappy team, and I expect them to hang around. And like worse yet than just being a scrappy team, they are really good in the areas the Packers have struggled with. We talked about Quinn and Williams. He's going to be a problem in the interior, right? We we just saw the Packers get rough, uh, wrecked by another uh, interior pass rusher and Dexter Lawrence and Quinn Williams certainly just as good. Uh, They're going to be able to pound the rock with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. And they're also going to have some check down options with those two guys. The receivers will cut up off zone coverage, right? Maybe the Jets don't have the best receiving core in the league, but certainly Garrett Wilson and company are going to be able to get open on crossers. If you're just going to sit back and play cover three and cover four all day, they have a mobile quarterback. That can give the Packers a little bit of problems. But I fully expect them to be hanging around in the fourth quarter. But given the Packers' talent advantage, the wake-up call they just got, and playing in front of the fans in Lambeau, I do expect the Packers to to eke this one out.
3: Okay, so my path to victory here is the Packers score 27 points. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) I know that I'm having a little bit of fun with this. But stick with me here. The Packers have scored 27 points in two out of three of their wins this season, right? The Bucks game was a little bit different. That had a defensive flavor all throughout. So otherwise, though, the Packers score 27 points. They win. It's just that simple. Also, the Packers defense has not allowed more than 27 points this season. They gave up 27 last week to the Giants, and that was the season high. So by my math, if the Packers score 27 points on Sunday, I think that they win. Okay, I say that in all seriousness, the offense needs to step up and do their part. The Packers defense has not been dominant this season. They've had plenty of issues to sort through on that side of the ball. But there are only four defenses in the NFC that have allowed less points than Green Bay's. The defense needs to play better situationally. They need to be more consistent. They need to not give up the big plays that are just so harmful to, you know, game flow and just kill momentum. But an offense that has Aaron Rodgers at quarterback has to score points to win football games. It's just that simple. And it's up to Lafleur to simplify things a little bit, I think, to a place where these young weapons can thrive, Rodgers can trust those options. So I think Sunday's path to victory is that stupidly simple. They've got to score points and if we're getting specific, I'm going to say that they need to score 27 of them.
5: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say don't flinch is mine this week. And I hate saying this, but it doesn't always feel like the Packers respond well to adversity. It feels like sometimes this team gets punched in the mouth and then they start to panic. And the problem is that the other team also gets paid. So you're going to get punched in the mouth occasionally, and they're going to give you their best shot every week. So if the Jets score on their opening possession and the Packers get down early, you know, or if there's a couple drives that stall out and aren't successful, you know, maybe the scheme's not working the way that they want it to. They just need to reset and stick to that game plan. You guys both kind of talked about it already. It feels like there's this sense of urgency where Rodgers and LeFleur want to score 21 points on one drive, and I don't know, like, by my math, that's not how football works. So the the don't flinch, quote-unquote, is my path to victory this week. If the Jets come out firing, you know, you got to weather the storm and you got to stay true to the game plan on both sides of the ball and do what's working. I said earlier this week on PAX what she said that the thing I keep thinking about with this team is to not let perfect be the enemy of good. And I think that the Packers right now are trying to do a lot of things perfectly and they're just not there yet on either side of the ball. So they've just got to be a good football team because they are a good football team. And then you build off that, like oh. you start with the foundation and they've got time to figure it out. I mean, yes, it's week six, but there's building blocks here. So set up the building blocks and just be a good team and be a good team that goes one and zero this week.
4: Yeah, I think I think that's a really poignant um, point. And <laughs> uh, so, some it, it, like really, this is still a team that is developing. They're getting better. Uh, they're they're going to continue to gel. And and I think you know sometimes we just need to to sit back and, and be a little bit more optimistic. There's a lot of teams in the NFL that are still figuring it out right now. Um, and very few of those teams are really running away with it, right? We know the Eagles are undefeated, but they haven't played a whole lot of top-level competition yet. Uh, we know the Bills look like a juggernaut in the AFC. But other than that, everybody's kind of in the middle. And, you know, I, I think there's still room for the Packers as they continue to grow as as Aaron Rodgers continues to sort of figure out how this offense is going to work around him and those younger weapons um, continue to develop that we're going to see growth and, and see the Packers right the ship a little bit. So um, really like that. Really like that. We're being optimistic. And, and I think hope that uh, we're going to be able to uh, see a much better outcome come Sunday. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can get to Kyle on Twitter, at Packer underscore Pundit. Maggie is at Maggie J. Loney. And also, you can check her work out on Pax, what she said. And you can find me, at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. Uh, just a friendly reminder, Fridays at 430 Central There's the Pack-A-Day Happy Hour. And every Tuesday, there's the Pack-A-Day Live Show. So tons of content uh, for you to digest as we get right into the middle of this NFL season. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back previewing the Packers' Week 7 matchup against the Washington football team commanders. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...